0: Love, talk Radio. Hi, this is Melinda, and you're listening to the Haitian Free Thinkers Radio Show. Good evening, everyone. My name is Reggie, and you are listening to the Haitian Free Thinkers Show. Like Melinda just told you, um, today is Thursday, August 11, 2016, and I'm joined by a very special guest. Um who's on the line right now, but I want to make some announcements before we start the show. Uh, So normally, I usually use Wherever I Go by Michael Buen, which is a a nice song by this young Haitian DJ, but uh, I want to try to get some copyright-free music. Um, So if you're out there and you want to uh, send me some music that belongs to you, I would appreciate it. Um, I already have uh, permission from one individual, Actually, two guys, but um, uh, I want to do the right thing. So uh, I love that song, but uh, I, I uh, hit him up on Twitter to see if he could, you know, give me permission. But we'll see how that goes. And uh, I'm really excited to have uh, Alex on the line with me, and we're gonna talk about um, everything from theology to tea. So um, if you want to call the guest call-in number, it is six five seven three eight three. 1619. Once again, that's 657 Just hit the number one, and then I'll see your number pop up. I will call you out by your area code. You can speak to myself or Alex, and uh, we'll go from there. So without any further ado, uh, I'll let Alex ex- introduce himself.
1: Okay. Thank you, Reggie, and uh, thank you to the staff for allowing me to be here this evening. Um, my name is Alex Verneret I am a professional speaker um, with the John Maxwell team. Also certified with Les Brown Enterprises. I also speak uh, primarily for American Express, but also different uh, businesses. Um, as a speaker, um, I also serve as a preacher uh, in my local church and in churches in the Metro Atlanta area. Um, I, uh, you know, I'm passionate about uh, people adding value to people, especially at times like this where we see what's going on with the world and uh, politics and just everything in general, um, I just really live to add value to other people. Uh, so I hope that during this interview I could add some type of value uh, to all the listeners today. Thank you for having me.
0: Okay. Uh, there it is, plain and simple. Um, my, call, my normal co-host is James. I believe he's on the line. James, are you on? Yes,
2: I am. How y'all guys doing today?
1: Going well,
0: thank you. Okay, cool, cool. Um, so, um, so uh, Alex, uh, I met. Well, let me tell you a little bit of history of how I learned about Alex. So, Alex's parents, and I guess by extension, Alex is um, relatives of my half sister, and um, she invited um, his parents over last December, I think it was. And then uh, myself, Valerie, and the kids, we went over to Alex's house to to have a wonderful, I think it was Christmas dinner. Um, We met his sister and his now fiancé and um, Frankie, I think his name is, and his sister. So we had a good time. And um, his parents um, have a church nearby, which I went to visit one time. And they spoke very highly of Alex. Like you know, basically like this dude is the man. He's like a prodigy, and he has a um a lot of things going for himself, including you know speaking at some uh, um I guess, corporations or groups. So I wanted to get you to talk to him. And so I was on Facebook the other day, and I saw Alex was talking about the ASOC. If you're if you're familiar with that. Uh, as a lot of us Haitians are, and other people from the island. And so I said, okay, well, let me let me see if I can get in touch with him because I know everybody's busy doing their thing. Uh, so he was uh, gracious enough to accept the invitation onto the show. And I told him a little bit about us. And um, lo and behold, they're going to have, well, Alex is going to be part of a revival, which I'm going to let him tell you guys more about. And uh, unfortunately, I will not be able to to join because I'll be working, but um, it sounds like the kind of thing that I, I usually um, try to take part in. So um, I've never really spoken to Alex at length, so this is like a learning experience for me, so hopefully it is the same for him, to learn about what it is that uh, the Les Brown speaking thing is all about and the other, John Maxwell. Um, how, did, how did you get into those speaking engagements, and what exactly are those?
1: Oh, yeah, no problem. Well, as far as the uh, the Les Brown certification, uh, for those of you guys who do not know Les Brown, uh, Les Brown is one of the top five speakers of all time. Um, he is an incredible speaker, and uh, growing up, I played football. And one of the things I always did is that before a football game, I would listen to one of his speeches as a way of motivating myself so that I can push past barriers during the game. And in constantly listening to him, I um, I developed a an appreciation for speakers and, and public speaking. I never really saw myself doing this as a career, uh, but as I was working for American Express, I constantly found people approaching me uh, within the company, asking me for advice, asking me to train them on things that I wasn't even too sure about myself. And so as I noticed that people kept asking me for Uh, For help and to speak with them about certain things, I realized that maybe this was a gift and that I should pursue it further. Um, So in my pursuit of it, I I started speaking more at the church, um, just helping out with the young adults and, uh, you know, trying to help them keep their minds focused. Um, Of course, I got certified by Les Brown. I also became a part of the John Maxwell team. Um, For those of you who do not know, John Maxwell is the number one leadership guru in the world by most publications. And with him, I am a coach. Um, So I do life coaching, but primarily business coaching. I am a trainer, so I train other leaders. Um, Right now I'm working with six businesses, uh, training managers, um, staff, um, and even executives in the aspect of leadership. And I am also a speaker uh, so for motivational speaking, uh, I get to come to different banquets, ceremonies, high schools, and to speak motivationally to hopefully ignite a fire in whoever's there so they can accomplish the best that they have for themselves.
0: Wow. Um, shit, I, I, I'm I'm impressed. Um, I Googled um, Les Brown purse. Then John Maxwell. Left Brown, I seen um his face before. I never heard him speak, not that I can recall. Uh John Maxwell, I'm not too familiar with him, but um it's always good to be doing that which you're passionate about and um and so you've partly that into I guess a career and uh, it ties to your I guess um Religious uh, aspirations, and so you use it to um, preach, but you did say you're not officially a pastor correct
1: oh yes exactly i'm not a pastor
0: what what do, do you want to be a pastor
1: no to be honest i've um i've actually never wanted to even preach um so the idea of being a pastor is not something that's necessarily something that i'm interested in um speaking as preaching in Forest Church is just from noticing certain issues and uh, things that I would like to see changed and, you know, just kind of stepping up into the moment, and that's what caused me to start preaching, but uh, if I can avoid it, uh, I will not be a pastor.
0: Okay, that's interesting. Um, What exactly is preaching? Because I'm big on definition. I mean, a lot of us, I't really know what it is, but just to be on the safe side. When you say preaching, what do you
1: mean? Um, well, preaching what preaching is is that on a weekly basis, um, we have something called a church service. Um, basically, a church service is where a group of believers gather into a building and uh, we sing songs um, to worship God together in unison, and we have a sermon. Um, the sermon is meant to hopefully encourage the public to so that when they're not in church, they can continue serving God outside of the four walls of the church. And so what preaching is, is being the person who actually stands up there to speak to the public on whatever, on a variety of subjects. But the, the end objective is always to assure that the public leaves feeling encouraged or challenged to help them in their walk with God.
0: Okay, um, and and uh, tell us a little bit more about the local church that you know. I think it's your your family church, correct?
1: Yeah, my father's the pastor.
0: Okay, so uh, Blood Price Church is called, right?
1: Yes, sir.
0: Okay. Um, your father told me about how you guys moved from I think New Jersey um, and came to Georgia. I think you were part of uh, another church for a while, I want to say in Marietta, but then eventually branched out here in the Lawrenceville area where where I live. And um, can you tell us a little bit more about, like, you know, the process of starting a a church from scratch? Because I I can imagine how it's, you know, it's a little bit challenging. Well,
1: even though we're in a religious culture, but,
0: you know, having to to do a – a Haitian church.
1: Oh yeah, oh yeah. You mean you're you're right. Completely It's definitely challenging. Um, when my father moved here, he um, he got his master's degree in biblical studies while he was living in New Jersey, but he never wanted to be a pastor. He um, he wanted to just have the knowledge uh, to maybe teach in the capacity of a Sunday school teacher. Um, but our senior pastor at the time uh, came to him and told him that he he felt a calling over my father's life for him to become a pastor. And so before we moved to Georgia, my my father became a pastor, but when we moved to Georgia, he wasn't looking to open up a church. He was looking to be an assistant um, at another church. And so when we came to Georgia, we, we visited other assemblies, and for a while we were trying our best to, to integrate ourselves within those assemblies But at that particular time there was a, a lack of a Haitian presence It was 16 years ago um, So it wasn't as developed as far as the Haitian community And uh, because of that, some of the churches there, was, it wasn't, there wasn't too much diversity with our choices in where we would worship and so there were just certain things that we weren't necessarily comfortable with and uh, my father didn't necessarily agree with. And so instead of, you know, staying and causing an issue, um, he accepted the call to open up his own ministry. And uh, we ended up starting it off in the basement of the house. And One way or the other people started hearing about us and, and coming to the basement until we became too large for the basement. And we had to move out and actually find a centralized location
0: and when did you guys find that centralized location
1: um well we came to Georgia in September of 2000 I believe by December 2001 we actually moved into a location um, Tabernacle International Church in Lawrenceville Georgia Uh, they provided us a small room uh, that could fit about 200 people um, for us to start worshiping there and then after we outgrew the room that's where we moved on to uh, to another location and then we outgrew that location which now brings us to our current location
0: Wow, well, that's uh, that's rapid growth if it's about uh, the first location within about a year um, of moving to Georgia so I think that's pretty impressive um, and which denomination the do you and your parents belong to
1: them? Um, well, we like to consider ourselves non-denominational. We, we come from a Pentecostal uh, background, um, but as far as the church, uh, we consider ourselves non-denominational. Okay, cool.
0: Um, I didn't know that your father had a master's um, in, in uh, was it, biblical, what, what's your official
1: term? Yeah, biblical studies.
0: Biblical studies. Um, what does that mean exactly? A person with a master's in biblical studies means that they know the Bible inside out. Is that what it means essentially?
1: Um, not necessarily. Um, the funny thing about Bible school is that Bible school doesn't necessarily teach you the Bible per se. Um, what Bible school actually does is that it teaches you everything around the Bible so that you can have proper context when reading the Bible because, You know, as far as learning the Bible, you have to read that for yourself. But as far as context, uh, historical documentation, um, you know, dates, maps, things of that nature, those are also very important, especially when pastoring, because you can read a passage in the Bible, but if you don't understand the context, you can take that one passage and completely lead astray an entire church. Um, so it was very important that he learned the, the actual historical context, who wrote it, what was going on in those times, um, things of that nature. And, of course, while doing the biblical studies, he also uh, spent a year emphasizing on business administration so that he could learn how to operate a church and things like that. But that's mainly what the biblical studies is about.
0: Okay. So what, while he was doing his studies and obviously growing up you know, with him, being very religious, was there any, um, I guess, pressure for you to follow in his footsteps?
1: You know, it's funny. It's funny, Reggie, that you say that because I actually did not have any pressure. Um, The thing is that especially in um, churches, um, our epistemology, we kind of understand that the preacher's son is either uh, very spiritual or he is the complete opposite of what you want to be. And I was actually the complete opposite. So I was in the church. I played the keyboard out of loyalty for my, my father, but he always knew that my faith was not necessarily in that place. And so I didn't have any pressure as far as to follow his footsteps. Uh, the only pressure that I felt was to, to contribute somehow. And I did that by playing the piano for the ministry. But I was never pressured into you know, preaching or anything of that nature.
0: Okay, okay. Because uh, <clears throat> from my experience, there's definitely a, a, a stigma uh, from um, the children of high-ranking members or pastors. And it's usually, um, from my perspective, very pressure-based There's an expectation for them to, like you said, um, either follow or either rebel. And, um, you know, I've always been interested to find out, you know, people, somebody's perspective who's been in that situation. So that's good. That's good. Um, They did seem to be very um, understanding and open, and they're very good communicators, Uh, something that – I don't think I experienced too much in my household, especially from from my stepfather. Uh, so that's good. Would you say that your father is Americanized, or you think that he's always kind of been that guy, uh, and in your mom too?
1: Yeah, I mean, um, they're not fully Americanized, but it's funny. It's like once he started hitting around the sixty mark, he uh, he's gotten more Americanized. Um, you know, I believe that the the church where we were at. In New Jersey, um, had a very different culture than our church now. Um, it was very regimented. You know, women don't braid your hair. You know, no, no makeup. You know, no this, no that. It was uh, a very regimented, and you know, when we came to Georgia, um, of course, initially those 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 force of habits uh, start to display, but um, after a while, it just you know, I, I noticed that he just became uh, more and more understanding, and he's constantly growing in that, constantly challenging himself, uh, constantly reading, and, you know, just looking for new ways to be effective in 2016, because what was effective, you know, in the 90s is not effective anymore, so I feel like it's something that he's he's growing in, and he's uh, he's come quite far over the past couple of years.
0: Okay, that's... That's really good to hear. Uh, I want to remind everybody, once again, that you are listening to the Haitian SeaThinkers Thinkers Radio Show. My name is Reggie. My co-host James is on the line. Where you're talking to Alex tonight. He's our special guest. If you want to call in to the show, you can dial 657-383-1619. Once again, that's 657-383-1619. This show is currently live, but if for some reason that you missed the show, You can catch the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, Spreaker Radio, and uh, those are the places that you can get all the past shows. This is show number 76, so there's 75 shows that you need to catch up on. Um, So Alex um, is uh, is a guy that I found very interesting. So here we are talking live here. So if you want to give him a call, this is the time to do so. Uh, do you have any thoughts or questions, James?
2: Oh yeah, I, I did want to ask him um, since you know, uh, since he's the preacher's uh, child and everything. Was he uh, coming up as a kid? Were you kind of mischievous? You know what they say sometimes about the preacher's kid. You know, it's like a little running joke in the church.
1: Yeah. Um. Yeah. Definitely. I. I definitely was. I. Um, I found pleasure in doing the opposite of what I was told, and a lot of that stems from watching, you know, because there's there's one thing when you're a church member, and there's a different aspect when you're actually one of the, uh, quote unquote, high-ranking people in the church, uh, because you see how some people act behind the scenes, and so to hear about people gossiping about my father, or you know, to see a preacher one way on stage and one way off stage, um, it really turned me off. And so I, I lived my life out of a consciousness of avoiding, avoiding being like them. And so I tried my best to, to do everything opposite of what they were doing. So I was extremely mischievous, and I was quite the rebel. Okay. Okay.
0: Um. Okay, uh, you have any other questions, Gene? Uh
2: Not right now. Some more come to me though.
0: Okay, so we are a group of Haitian free thinkers. So Haitian free thinkers is a group that I started back in uh, 2012, um, January 12, 2012, to be more specific. And I started a group basically to see how many secular Haitians I can find. Um, I myself, I'm an atheist. Uh, and I'm an atheist because, uh, primarily because I read the Bible and I researched it. Uh, so here we are, four years, uh, and we have this radio show. And uh, I remember when your father came over and your mom came over. I mean, they were so nice. They brought gifts, and um, they were inviting us to the church. And so I felt really... Um, this is the part of the show, I'm going to, I want to let everybody know, if you're listening live and you don't speak Creole, you're going to have to learn something because I went to, you know, practice. So I felt really genuine to uh, be like, oh, that's really nice and everything. And and I personally don't mind visiting churches. It's just that there's this um, concern that I have all the time that, you know, if I tell someone who's very religious that I'm not religious, that they're going to turn sour on me. So I was very, very concerned about that. So, I was like, oh, man, you know, that's, that's just such a shame. And uh, I, I, I wanted Haitian free thinkers, or at least myself, Reggie, to try to be like an ambassador or a bridge to kind of like help see if I can improve that situation where people who are secular like myself and James and other members of the group don't have to feel um, bad about saying what it is that they believe or do not believe. Uh, so that's how I felt when I, I first met your parents, and eventually I went to the church one Sunday, and I haven't been to church in a while, um, mostly because of my schedule, because we moved to Georgia from Florida a couple of years ago now, and uh, just obviously don't go to church, but um, there was a lot of things I had to relearn based on when I used to go to church a few a few years ago, Um and I, one of the things I loved was going to, 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 the, to the youth side um, to do um, Bible study or whatever. And I don't know the name of the gentleman, but there's a the Bible study, the youth guy, he's from Boston. And uh, I remember he was talking to the, to, to the kids, and I remember the look on their faces and everything. And, um, and I just wanted to, to, like, observe and absorb and see what, what the church was all about. That day um, you were not present. Your sister wasn't there, so I was one of the. I I really didn't know too many people besides your parents. So, th- but it was very nice, Um and it was a classic, um, um I guess church uh, session. And but I had to leave a little bit early because I had to go to work. But that's been my experience so far. So, do you have you met any uh, Haitians that are that are atheists, Alex?
1: Oh yeah, um definitely. Um not too many, but more so as of lately, um, as our Haitian community is growing in Georgia. Uh we've met a couple, we've had some come by the church. Um actually I believe it was about two weeks ago, I was uh, speaking for Verizon and one of the gentlemen uh who's in their leadership team is Haitian who is actually an atheist. And so we did have a short conversation. Um, you know, just a friendly conversation. I got to know him, but I have come across quite a bit of, of atheists as of lately.
0: Um, that's interesting. Uh, I wish I could get in contact with, with all these individuals, but um, I
1: was just thinking so
2: the same I beca- thing. <laughs> I, became
0: an, I, I, I became an atheist in August of 2009. Officially, um, I didn't know what an atheist was until I was in my late 20s. I have my personal reasons, but um, based on what you told me, it seems like, you know, some people sometimes they feel like it, it's like this new thing. It's like this sad, chic, you know, almost like you know, almost rebellious type of thing. But I, I don't think it necessarily is. But though, from based on what your experiences have been with these other Haitian atheists, why do you why do they tell you that they they don't believe?
1: Um, you know, most people that I've met told me that they didn't believe there was uh there was a story behind it you know there was an experience um for some people you know it could have been an experience at a church um me personally, I was very close to declaring myself an atheist at one point in time um when I was nineteen years old um so sometimes there's negative experiences within the church um you know for some people it is you know, as far as studying uh, when a book in the Bible was written, was written, and then they say, well, why was it written 30 years after the event actually took place? You know, how do we know it's true? Um, so a lot of people have different reasons, but most uh, the most compelling reason that I've heard is usually from some type of church hurt, um, being in a church uh, where people mistreat them or something happens and then it, it kind of sends them into a path of, studying and then they just decide um, you know maybe this is not for me.
0: Okay. That that sounds pretty um pretty reasonable, pretty um popular. Again, for those of you who are listening live, this is a special show. Alex Verneret is on the HMP Things Radio Show. The guest calling call in number is six five seven three eight three one six one nine. Once again Six five seven three eight three one six one nine. Just call. You can listen. Press one if you want to speak to myself or our special guest Alex here. And uh, yeah, I have a is, question. It's been a
2: great. Sure. Uh, Alex, uh, if you don't mind me asking, uh, what was it that almost uh, made you uh, declare being an atheist, and what was it that? I guess changed your mind or whatever.
1: Well yeah, no problem. Um honestly it was it wasn't one particular action but like I was saying earlier, you know, being a pastor's son, you know, being in the background, um, I would see preachers, you know, who were sometimes extremely spiritual on stage and then I would get a chance to see them off stage. Um, you know, I've, I've grown to respect my father tremendously because I've, you know, to me, I've seen him the same way off stage that he is on stage. Like um, what Reggie's saying about his kindness—that's something that everybody says. You know, he is that type of person off stage, on stage. What you see is what you get. But I saw so many other speakers and other preachers who were who were different on stage and off stage. And there was one particular time. Um, where we had a choir director at our church who wanted me to date her daughter. Um, And because I wasn't interested in her daughter, um, you know, she kind of started spreading rumors about me. And it's a lot of people bad-talking me. And I just said, I I didn't want to be a part of that group of people anymore. Um, Mm. And so, of course, growing up, I didn't really have a chance to accept faith for myself. It was... I was conditioned, you know, to, to accept faith. I wasn't told if I had a choice. You know, this is what I, I grew up to know. Um, so I, you know, I was, I was questioning a lot of things, and I said, you know, this is not for me. I don't want to be a part of this group of people. I'm not even sure if this thing is real or not. I don't want to be wasting my time. Um, but then what ended up bringing me to uh, to Jesus was I was playing football, football, um, in a college out in Minnesota Playing collegiate football And I had a head injury And um, In the head injury I was uh, I was asked to, to Possibly go through surgery I decided not to go through surgery But I was told that there could be some complications Down the road And so I did not want to go through surgery Because they were speaking about speech impediments um, And just having diff- different Mental issues down the line So in In and opting not to take the surgery, I understood that I was of major risk of, you know, possibly passing away. And so that kind of happened, and I still didn't believe, but it was a preacher who I did not know who called me up on stage in front of the entire church, and I wasn't—I didn't tell many people what was going on. It was just my then girlfriend, my sister, and uh, my best friend who knew what was going on. And the preacher called me out in front of the entire church, and he said, God said he's going to heal you. Most um, of the church had no clue that anything was even wrong with me. So when he said that, I was just kind of, you know, I kind of played it off. Um, but then when I realized that I was actually healed, I went, I went and got an MRI done um, by a neurologist. And when I realized that I no longer had any issues as far as punctured veins in my brain, um it made me stop and say, there's, there's, something, there's something behind this. And that was kind of my first time seeing that, okay, maybe this faith thing is not, is not a gimmick or a, or a game to make money. Mm-hmm. So that, that's kind of what led me down the path of, instead of thinking everything is always wrong, let me actually study. and fact, I took theology at Liberty University and started studying more until I, until I became a full-fledged believer. Okay. Thank you for okay. answering
0: that question. Thank you. Excellent. Excellent. Again, uh great show. If you wish to call in, six five seven three three one six one nine. Don't don't miss out on this. Um good segue because uh I'll tell you a little bit about um the video that I saw Alex talking um on that uh will tie into what it is that he just said about how how he um, reaffirmed, I guess, his faith. But first, a little um, voice intro from our friend, Javon from Jamaica. So, Jamaica. so listen to this real quick. Hey, this is Javon from Jamaica, and you are listening to the Haitian Freethinkers radio show. Javon is one of the, um, I guess, original members of, of uh, Haitian Freethinkers, and uh, he sent that one in and I, I want to thank him. I promised him and uh, some of the other people who made voice intros that I'd uh, do a little something from phone. But, um, yeah, that was um, an interesting uh, story. And um, when I was on Facebook a couple of days ago, I saw Alex talking about Levangile and how it's... He made an analogy with Levangile and uh, the So-t. So, um Instead of paraphrasing, I'm gonna let Alex explain what what he was saying and and uh, and, and how he ties in it to, to to the religion.
1: Oh yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, well, in the in the video that you saw, um, I was preaching at a church, Good Samaritan Haitian Alliance Church in Lawrenceville, and you know, I see a new you know teoso Sea is one of the nastiest things I think ever created. And so I was giving an analogy of, you know, when I was, when I was growing up, uh, there was one time that I was sick, and I asked my mom, you know, why didn't she ever put sugar, you know, in the teoso Sea Because she always puts lemon and salt. And so I asked her, why didn't she put sugar? Because, you know, in my mind, the the sea it – It has the healing properties. It's not the salt. It's not the lemon. So if you just put the sugar in the associae, I should still be able to feel the effects of the medicine. Um, But she was explaining to me that the fever won't drop if I put sugar in it. And that in order for the fever to drop, she has to give me the medicine as it is. And so I made the analogy that in order for the gospel to have the power that it's supposed to have, you know, we must preach the original gospel because I feel like, you know, in, in modern times, um, the Bible is becoming uh, less popular as far as the source of Christianity. And a lot of times we're using different things like society or, um, you know, pressures from outside forces or other religions uh, to dictate what it is to be a Christian in 2016.
0: Okay, so with the analogy, uh, for those who don't know is the gospel. That's in Creole. So, um, so is "teassocie" being very, um, what's the proper term to use? Very bitter, very not tasting, Is that what you associate the gospel with? And if so, why?
1: Okay, well, no, I don't. I don't associate it as far as bitter. Um, I don't believe the gospel to be bitter. Um, but the thing about T see, the reason why I feel like it could associate with the gospel is more because it medicates you know it you know it treats in in my opinion spiritual sickness, and so the Te because it treats the body, and so that's kind of the the comparative point um as far as it being something that can help treat illness, and so that's why I associated it um of course. In treating an illness, there are some things that you might not necessarily like. Uh, just like also see you might not like the way it tastes, but you understand that you know, it's necessary in order for you to get to that next level. And so I do feel like sometimes the gospel, you may not have what you necessarily want, uh, but as a believer, I, I still hold on to my faith even in those times because I know that's what's best for me.
0: Okay, and um, what, what exactly is spiritual
1: sickness? Um, I look at spiritual sickness as when you are doing something that in your heart your faith contradicts. So, for example, in our Christian faith, uh, we believe in saving yourself for marriage and not fornicating. Um, and I know believers who, especially male believers who struggle with that, uh, incredibly, um, they don't want to fornicate. Of course, I mean, they make the statements that they don't want to, but it's just too difficult. And sometimes the temptation is too high. And so I consider that a spiritual sickness where you're, uh, where you're dealing with something that contradicts, uh, what it looks like to be a healthy Christian, which we get that from the Bible.
0: And if a person, by fornicating, I'm assuming you mean to have sex before marriage? Yes. So if a person has sex before marriage, then what?
1: Then what, in what sense?
0: If, if a person chooses to have sex before marriage, how does that affect their in their, their walk with uh, Jesus or their religion?
1: Well, it, it goes against you know, the commandments of the Bible. And so if you are fornicating, you know, in our faith we are, we are taught that Jesus is not just a part of our lives. He is all of our lives. And so if, if I do something that contradicts his teaching, I am not living my life for him. I may be living my, my life for me or any other thing. And so if we are fornicating, it is that we are not living our lives completely for God as we are supposed to.
0: Okay. Um, one of the things that I've always wanted to, to discuss with people that are willing to discuss it is, from my experience, um, one of the many, many problems that I have with um, religion in general, but specifically Christianity, especially when it relates to us as Haitian people. And uh, this started for me in middle school when I met my first Muslim. He was Haitian, and uh, he basically asked me like, "Why are you um, Why are you a Christian when you know you know that it was the Christians that basically brought us from Africa and put us in slavery?" And he was saying like, "Why are you worshiping the white God?" Basically, he was um his name was Luigi. He was a cool cat man. Luigi was a uh, uh, what ended up being a more of Nation of Islam type of Muslim, so that was the first um, little dime that he dropped on me. Man, he used to, like, we talked a lot, and uh, that's one of the first challenges that I don't know how the average Haitian who knows, you know, the bare minimum about our history is able to overcome and still remain a Christian. So I'm asking you, um, do you think about, you know, our history as a Haitian people and 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 how you are able to tie that with, you know, Christianity?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, that was one of the things that really caused an issue for me, Um, especially when I thought about being an atheist. And it took me some time to get past because I I did feel like a lot of the passages were whitewashed. And, you know, of course, you know, they use slavery um, as a form of control that we would not seek revenge and we would not rebel and things of that nature. Um so I did study that and I had some um some doubts because of it but especially but in being in the church I I noticed that there are still some uh some residue from those type of social conditionings because even in the black church a lot of time the theme of it is sanctification which is um, holiness, you know, as far as, like, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, don't do that. And some of the white churches who are, you know, using Christianity are using it more for, you know, God is going to bless you and God is going to increase you. Um, so even in the church, you still kind of see the the effects of what's happened many years ago. Uh, so I definitely do see why that could be a concern of yours. Uh,
2: I have a okay. question also, uh, another question. Oh yeah, uh Alex, have you heard of the uh, I'm pretty sure you heard of the uh forty two uh principles of Mot, uh Egyptian uh, from Egypt? It was like basically like forty two It yeah, it's something it's like uh like instead of ten commandments, it was forty two commandments of uh of, of Egyptian uh laws and stuff like that. They had and they sound similar to the uh, Ten Commandments, and they were around, like, you know, like a thousand years or so before the uh, Ten Commandments. And that's the type of thing that I, I look into when I when I see, like, you know, stories from the Bible. I see, to me, it seems as though they took a lot of uh, mythology or other religions and uh, kind of, like, you know, remixed it and just made it their own and to put in that Bible and, you know one of the questions that I have as an atheist is, like, we don't really truly know who's the author of the Bible in those books. And, you know, a, lot of, a couple of books have been taken out and stuff like that. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, as far as some of the books, um, a lot of the books in the Bible, we, we actually do know the authors um, for a lot of the books, as far as, like, who wrote the Pentateuch, um, you know, the first five books of the Bible, who wrote a lot of the New Testament um, so we know as far as the authors are considered um, Of course I have also studied uh, Some of those things as far as Where people make the assertion that the Bible Seems like it copied some previous works of literature um, And so I have looked into that as well But I, I believe I guess the difference between Christians And those who are not is that you know, We live our life in a context of faith And so Within that context of faith, um, even when we see certain things that, that may try to contradict the faith, because we live in the context of believing, wh- whatever we believe, um, we see certain things, but we but we understand that there were always other religions before Christianity. Jesus wasn't a Christian. Um, so we understand that. We understand there could be some some lines. I mean, most major religions, they agree with everything up until... Uh, Abraham um, So we do understand that there is a lot of things That do kind of correlate and they look Like this and they look like that but uh, We still kind of hold on to our faith Even though we see those things
0: What What do you well, mean by well, faith? Can you define that Please?
1: Uh, well faith is, what I mean by that is My belief in Jesus Christ and the Commandments of the Bible
2: I have a question uh, um, You said that uh, You said that uh, Jesus Christ himself wasn't a uh, Christian, but uh, the 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 following uh, religion that you're following now is Christianity. So I'm trying to figure out, um, you know, and Jesus is one of the main figures in Christianity. And if he didn't, if he wasn't a Christian, then what was he? And are you, or is your belief similar to what he had? Or I'm just trying to get a better understanding.
1: Yeah, no, no problem. Yeah, as far as um, Christianity, to be honest, the term Christian is something that I'm actually not too comfortable with because Jesus did not establish the term Christian. It was was actually established in a way of mocking the followers of Jesus. Um, Usually when Jesus spoke to his followers, he either called them disciples or believers. But as far as Christianity is considered, um, Jesus was actually jewish in order to be you know jesus could not follow himself and so christianity is centered around following christ and trying to mimic the standard that he set for us and so since he was jesus he could not be a christian as um, everybody who came after him uh, who became christians and followed him and his lead okay but he was I, I, um jewish
2: I actually seen a documentary where a guy was basically he said the same thing as far as um, you know that um, uh, he said something to the effect of uh, yes that the Christians they were like they were they were it, the word Christian was almost like a derogatory term you know it was like an insult uh, back in those days. Yep. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it definitely was. It wasn't something, um, because when they, when they say Christian, a uh, Christian is like Christ. And so it was basically almost telling people that they don't have a mind for themselves. You know, They just see this man and they follow him. And a lot of the Jews in those times actually wanted to kill the Christians. Um, you know, of course, calling it blasphemous, you know, to suddenly start following this man and to depart from Judaism. So yeah, it definitely was something that was derogatory.
2: So what 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 was the religion? What what religion would you say that Jesus Christ was following? Would you say it was just one that he had? Like it was just it was like he was a rogue uh, spiritual person just out there doing his own thing, or do you think that he was he, he was like you said Jewish or Hebrew, and you know, and he was, I guess, following Abraham. Or, religion at the time so I don't really know how to word it right so
1: mm-hmm. well no he definitely was jewish um you know he followed the feast and uh followed the sacraments of the jewish religion but um some people do consider him a rogue because he did challenge uh, certain things that jews believed at the, at that time um, especially things like the sabbath day um so there were there were different things where where the Jews looked at him and said, you're not a real Jew. Um, but he definitely was Jewish as far as him following, uh, the precepts and what we call obeying the law of the Jewish religion. So when, and, uh, so would it,
2: um, Go ahead, James. I was going to say, would it then at that time, would you say that, uh, especially if he was, if he was Hebrew, uh, wouldn't I guess instead of being Christians, people would be, you know, follow Judaism or
1: Oh yeah, Hebrew religion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, most of them were followers of uh, Judaism at the time.
2: Okay, I was just trying to get a better understanding. Yeah.
0: Okay. Um. My question was, why should the average person uh, care about Jesus?
1: Um. I mean, that's a, that's a loaded question for me because I believe that, that the way, as intelligent as this world is, I don't believe that everything just appeared. I don't believe that, you know, uh, they, there could be a big bang, but I feel like there had to be something here before everything. There had to be somebody intelligent some type of intelligent being that created everything. And the way I look at it, um, especially this is what kind of led me to my faith walk, is that I had to ask myself, well, what do I lose from serving Jesus? And so when I looked at his commandments and other and, uh, things that were in the Bible, I said, well, I don't lose anything. And so I rather... If I'm wrong in serving Jesus and I die, nothing happens to me. You know, I I, I sleep. That's why I believed at the time. I just sleep and nothing happens to me. But if I'm wrong about serving Jesus, if, if I decide not to serve him and then I find that I'm wrong after I pass away, I risk, you know, being in hell forever. And so especially in looking at that, I said, well, Especially after my experience, I felt like, well, this is something is going on. There's a reason why this man knew I was sick. There's a reason why he was able to tell me certain things. And so, there's something real. There's something behind the scenes that I don't know about. I rather take my chances and serve God than to find out afterwards that I should have took my chances and then it'd be too late.
0: So you don't Pascal worry Wade. about. Yeah, that's that's Pascal's Weijer. But you don't do you worry about being wrong to other religions or other gods?
1: No. Um, And I believe that comes primarily through my personal experience. Um, You know, of course, my personal experience was somebody telling me I was healed and he did it in the name of Jesus and then I was actually healed. Um, So I do not do that, especially I feel like I have a relationship with God, with Jesus. Uh, When I pray, um, I feel like he answers my prayers and so, just in my experience i I feel like Jesus is more real than people that I see face to face day to day, And oh. so in my experience, because I feel that he is so real, I don't worry about, well what if there's another God because if there was another God it it it, it wouldn't explain my personal experience, my personal revelation
0: that's a That's a good segue to what something that I experienced when I used to go to church. Um, I was a very, very avid um Sunday school attend attender because I loved it because it was a place where I could um actually participate. When we used to go to um the main service downstairs, I used to go to this church called um New Vision Emmanuel Baptist Church in, in Miami, uh which is I think the largest Baptist church down in, in South Florida. So we had Sunday school upstairs, and then we go downstairs for the main service. So in the main service, it's the pastor and whoever the guest that's talking. You don't get to question. You don't get to ask a question. Uh, you don't. You, know, you don't get to interact. Um, so one day, I asked my Sunday school teacher. I said, "So when other people say basically the same thing that their gods helped them, their pra- their prayers were answered. How would you?" What do you say about that? Doesn't that validate what it is that they believe? And um, my Sunday school teacher basically said that it was our God that kind of did something positive for that person. And um, essentially, that's, that's basically, it's kind of like stealing credit. And I couldn't believe that he said that because I'm like, to me, the same thing applies Towards Christianity, they could just say that. Well, you know, it's our God that is being benevolent towards the Christian, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. So that's that's how I approach that situation because um, I, I knew back then that there was religions before Christianity. There was a time when Jesus wasn't even born. If you want to add Christian, in, uh, uh, Jesus, into the timeline, and there's other people that obviously don't are, are not even. Um, part of the uh, Abrahamic religion, and they function so to this day. And um, it, a lot of them have their own testimony. And I find that to be very, very interesting when I speak to uh, religious people because um, I've spoken to Muslim, uh, uh, Catholic uh, people, and, and so on and so forth. And they, they, one of the reasons why they stay is because they get enough results when it comes to communication with their deity, that it keeps them within the fold of the religion, and um, I find that to be really, really interesting. So I would wonder how you would approach that that situation.
1: Um, you know, for me personally, um, I've heard that before. I, I've heard people say that, um, you know, they almost passed away, and while they were in the coma, they saw, you know, Muhammad or they saw somebody else from another religion. Uh speaking with them um the same way that people would say while they were in a coma they they saw a figure who said he was Jesus speaking with them or an angel um so I have heard you know multiple uh, multiple comments about people that they've seen and why they believe it's real to them uh the way i I view it is that I can't judge them on their reality um, Perception is reality uh what you perceive as real is real you know our pain is usually not from things that occur but it's the story of what we said occurred and that's what makes us feel pain or suffering afterwards and so i don't i don't really respond to them as far as argumentatively to say no that's not true you know it was really jesus um honestly i i take the approach of praying for them because I used to think everything was luck. Um, I had my own experience, and the way our faith is set up is that we believe that what's holding Jesus from returning is that he's waiting for the gospel to be preached to everybody so that everybody can have an option, a choice, to serve him or not before he returns back for those who served him. And so I just pray for them. Um, I encourage them, and I share my faith. Um, and that's kind of the approach that I've taken: was to share my faith with people versus to argue against their faith.
0: Okay. Um, once again, everybody, you're listening to the Haitian Free Thinkers Radio Show. My name is Reggie. My co-host James is still on the line, and we have Alex with us tonight on a very special Thursday evening. Um, we have about an hour left on. Uh, available. Uh, if you guys have to go, let me know. I don't want to hold you, but I'm really enjoying the conversation. And if you're listening live, you can call in at 657-383-1619. Once again, that's 657-383-1619. And I have another quick intro that I'd like to roll, so let's listen. Bonjour, tout le monde. Nom, c'est Vanessa Charlot. Merci d'être avec nous dans l'émission Radio Libre Haïtien. So that's our friend Vanessa. She's in Haiti, and uh, she gave us that uh, nice intro in Creole. Um, so we're talking a little bit of theology, a little bit of uh, culture on the Haitian Freethinkers show. Um, I have some more questions, but um, do you have any questions uh, for us, Alex?
1: Um, I mean, I, I guess I want to ask you, what, what made you decide to be an atheist?
0: Uh, I, I I always say that the number one reason why I'm an atheist is because I actually read the Bible, um, and the five minute version of my story is that basically, uh, okay, I was born in Haiti uh, to a, a Catholic family. We moved here in uh, December of 1988, um, and at the time when my mother started to go to church, because you know. Leaving Haiti to come to a new place, you wanted to kind of connect to the community. And so she started to go to L'Eglise um, Protestant, which is Protestant churches. And I remember not- noticing the differences because my uncle, Mono, Mono, introduced me to the concept of God when I was really, really young. I used to take Losti, which is the, the, the wafer communion. And uh, he told me what God was. And um, so that, that concept stuck with me. So, we used to go to Protestant Protestant churches eventually, as a young man, I used to go to different churches because I like to slum in I like to go to see you know compare and to hang out with young people um but um sometimes I would actually pay attention to what the 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 pastor was saying. most of my friends couldn't care about couldn't care less about the religion. they're just kind of there because their parents made them there but every now and again, the pastor would say something i'm like wow this is this is." This is interesting. Or I would notice how the Episcopalians would do certain things while this other group would not do certain things, but everybody's talking about Jesus. Eventually, I personally gave my life to Jesus around the age of 16, 17. Um, I took it very seriously, and I uh, enlisted in the, the Army after high school to pay for college. 9-11 happened, and I found myself in Iraq. Uh, when I found myself in Iraq, I kept... An, a, a new international version uh, Bible in my backpack, um, mostly as a, a good luck charm. Um, but I realized that I, there was a really good chance I was going to die, and I really wanted to know what was going to happen to me when I get to heaven because I really did believe that I was guaranteed a spot into heaven. And I realized that of all the time I spent in church and, and talking to Christians, they never really went into detail about what exactly happened for the next infinity. So, I had spent um, a lot of my time writing to people and reading other books. And I said, you know what, I felt really bad that I'm not giving God, you know, the time that I would give to women or other people. So I told myself that I would start reading the Bible from the beginning, and I started from Genesis 1. I I stopped in Isaiah. I went back to the U.S. I asked uh, to speak to my pastor, Pastor Ronald, um, and um, I was surprised that he wasn't as familiar with some of the things that were concerning to me as I thought he should be because I thought the pastor really basically knew everything. It's kind of like to me going to a doctor and the doctor saying that, wow, I I don't know what you have or um I this is totally new to me. And I was flabbergasted in a way. But <clears throat> what happened was basically Pastor Ronald was more focused on the New Testament side of the house and I was going straight through and, uh, it It troubled me to read about all the barbarity and the and the horrible stories that I read about in the 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 old testament but i I kept reading I kept researching you know the internet was a great was a great tool, and whenever I did find stuff like you know the list of contradictions which I think everybody who reads will eventually have to deal with um I still kind of tried to reconcile them. And after years of just reading, um uh, I was like the Christians would say, I was on fire. I really was passionate. I was basically like a like a zealot. I was I was really, really, really into it. Um two thousand nine I met with some, some, some atheists and I was like, Wow, that's those are my people, that's who I am. Um didn't say that I believe uh, anymore because um I knew I knew too much and uh but the, the the short answer is I'm an atheist because I I read the Bible and I researched it. Okay. All right, thank you. Okay, so I I'm still interested to find out like well if if we read the same book, if we're familiar with the same stories, if we have the same information, why are people coming to um, different conclusions and and not necessarily a binary case where, like, you're either a believer or a not believer, but you have different denominations. The Bible is the only book that I know of, the only religious book that has two religions within it. I don't know any other religious book that that has that situation going. Um, I actually took my time to ask uh, some Jews about Jesus and why they they rejected him after get, getting the response from my. Um, church members, and uh, the the, the reason the reason why they rejected Jesus is, is, is very easy to understand, and it's 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 in the Bible. And I just find the whole thing just so fascinating. And because I was deployed in the Middle East, I understand how these stories and these um these um these themes motivate action and. I was very I'm still very passionate in trying to basically reduce violence as much as I can because a lot of believers are very much um invested in seeing a future that is marred with violence in order to have different figures such as jesus come back and and i guess restore their earth to some some paradise so here I am.
1: Well no I, mean, I definitely think that's uh that's interesting um especially with the different religions um you know all coming out of the the same book you know i I believe a lot of that has to do with how easy it is for one to become a pastor or a teacher um I believe it has truly dismantled uh the Christian faith because just about anybody can go online, um, you know, you pay $30 for a certificate and you are a pastor, or you can just wake up and say, I feel called by God, I'm a pastor. And right. so a lot of people end up teaching things without without literally understanding uh, the context, the history, and those things are extremely important because if, you know, the Bible was written thousands of years ago, and it was you know, in our belief, it's not written to us, but it's written for us. And so in order for us to understand, you know, what the, the writer was attempting to convey, we have to have some type of contextual background to understand it. And so because a lot of people don't spend the time um, and the energy to actually understand the context, to look at the maps, to, to understand what the words meant in coin Greek, you know, at the time, um, I believe that that attributes a lot to why there's so many faiths branching off. And even now, I feel like more faiths are being built every day, um, you know, from, from quote, unquote, the same Bible, but people taking a passage and completely taking it out of context. So it is a frustration, especially for people like, uh, like myself who are speakers, um, because, you know, when I speak, I... I've already studied the Bible. I spent three years studying theology, but I, even if I'm preaching on a particular passage, I spend time looking into a correspondence. You know, I try to understand what the words, what each word means. You know, I, I look at the context of who wrote it, uh, when they wrote it, what was going on at the time before I preach, because I definitely don't want to ever take anything out of context. But unfortunately, like you said, that that is the case nowadays, and. It has branched into many religions stemming from one book.
0: Okay. Um, Context. Okay, so that's a very popular, um, I guess, response. And it is possible to be out of context, and I understand context. So for me, what's frustrating um, is when I deal with someone who is a believer of different backgrounds and I'm explaining why it is that I don't believe in the religion or a particular story, one of the first things that that they tell me is that I am out of context. So even if that's the case, one of the things that I find very fascinating and frustrating is that the person that's speaking don't, they never make the same admission that it is possible that they are out of context and I'm within the context. So even if it's possible that, one of us or both of us are out of context, it seems to me that the skeptic is almost always deemed as out of context. Uh, w- will you ever run into that?
1: Oh, yeah, of course. Um, I mean, that's the, that's the thing is that a lot of us don't spend time, because faith is really believing, and, that, and the teaching of Jesus, I mean, it says to believe without seeing. You know, so where there is a plethora of facts, you don't need faith. So the reason why we, we need faith, we need to believe and trust, is because we, we don't have all the facts that we would like in order for us to just make a logical decision, well, you know, Jesus is the only way. You know, it does require a level of faith and trust because we, we lack some facts. And so um, as far as me, I'm not an apologist. You know, I don't, I don't necessarily try to argue people with, with people. I mean, if somebody asks me a question I don't know it, I'll tell them, I'll research it. You know, I'll look into the context myself versus just throwing out a generic answer because you'll be surprised how many things people do in church even to this day um, that is still out of context from what the Bible actually asks, and it is a common practice in a lot of churches. Um, I, so, I, I, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, yeah. I was saying it's it you it, it's surprising, and that's why a lot of people – um, there's actually a statistic, I believe it was 38% last time I checked in 2012, 38% of people who actually go to Bible college leave an atheist. Because while they're in the Bible college and they're learning things, they're saying, why is my church not doing it the way in context of what the Bible said? Um, well, so it, it is sad.
0: I think I, think, I, know, I think I know the answer, and I think it's because there's not one person – or I shouldn't say that without, with strong authority, but I don't believe that there's any one person that's actually doing what the Bible says or what the Bible teaches. I think what happens is people are doing what their culture says, what their culture is teaching, what their time is teaching, and this is what I mean for an example. Um, so, you know, I used to frequent Haitian establishments, and uh, there's this famous church, in uh, or this big church in South Florida called... Um, New and Victor Curry, I think his name is, is Bishop Curry is the 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 leader over there. And so me being the the curious when I, I went to visit um Bishop Curry's church and one of the things that I noticed is that they do this uh dance that um only African American churches seem to do. And I'm like, What is that? I don't know the official name of it. I don't wanna say you know, a word that is not what it is, but they do this dance and they throw money on the stage. They rub the they rub the stage. They do all kinds of things, and I'm like, well, this is not how we do it back where I come from. But um, I've come to realize now that it's um, literally like if I when I went when I went to to your church, your parents' church, it took me back to, to my days that New Vision. I can feel the Haitian the Haitian is in the atmosphere, you know. And it was both comforting and uncomfortable in that I'm a, um, I'm an Americanized Haitian. So I, I, I gravitate more towards the English-speaking and the younger side, even though I'm 36 years old at this time. But I think the older Haitians who are used to the system in Haiti, they find it comforting to find something that's familiar. Bible notwithstanding, I don't think, um, most people actually uh, get into the minutiae of, of the details of the, of, of the Bible. A lot of people, I think, from my experience, are just there to kind of do socializing and, and um, get their, I guess, spiritual motivation for the week so that they can face whatever it is that they're facing. So when I, when I start reading the Bible and I see how things are actually different from the original text, if you will, the, the actual Bible, depending on, on when certain people would have got to me, they would have possibly persu- persuaded me to be one of them. And, and I'm speaking to the to the Hebrew-Israelite type of individuals who claim that they're going back to, to the origin of the Bible. But um, I've, I've, from my experience, I saw that they, they had their own issues as well. So that's that's my take on on what's going on. And I really don't think that there's not one person, one religion, one denomination... Uh, that's actually doing exactly what the Bible says. If not, if there was, I think you, most people would be more um, Jewish than anything. Um, that's 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 my experience.
1: Well, no, I mean it, it's true what you say. Actually, um, there's there, and this is where a lot of the division begins, because the thing about the Christian faith is that the Christian faith you know, especially the New Testament church, we're not centered on the law, per se. Um, And so what that is is that our faith gives us, basically there are commandments of God, commandments that we should live by. But then there are different things, like the way Jesus served uh, is not the way Moses served. You know, at, at, at one point in time you have God telling Samson, you know, you, not to cut his hair and to be a Nazarite. And even in the New Testament, you see John the Baptist, who was a Nazarite, who had long hair. Um, later in the Bible, you see Apostle Paul, um, you know, telling men that they should not have long hair and that that would be a shame. So the way I look at it and the way that we're taught is that the commandments of God will remain the same forever. The things that God commands they are always going to remain the same. But the implementation of those commands, they change from generation to generation, from culture to culture. Um, I believe the American church struggles more than any other church, um, especially when I see people who come from Christian churches, um, like from Africa, or even Christian churches directly from Haiti, You know, they are more solidified in their faith, I think, because we don't have all of these... Differing cultural implications that we deal with in America, you know even in I say it all the time in my church, we have two cultures battling with each other. We have an Americanized where you know our young people want to sing contemporary music, and then we have the Haitians with their with the Haitian culture who wants to sing from the hymnal and it, it, it does cause a lot of friction because people's perspective on the Bible is oftentimes shaped by their cultures. Um, the beauty is that the Bible gives, that, gives us that opportunity to still be relevant uh, to a particular group of people, but at the same time, I, I believe it does become dangerous where we are not following the actual commands that Jesus told us to follow. That's where I believe. So we can have different churches, we can have different styles, um, but when you're actually going against something Jesus commanded, or when you're coming against somebody who does something different than you, but it's not necessarily a commandment from from God, that's why I think there's an issue.
0: Okay, um excellent. So we are coming down the home stretch of the show uh once again, uh, if you wish to call in the guest calling number is six five seven three eight three. One uh, You're listening to the Haitian Free Thinkers Radio Show, show number 76 with Alex Veneret, um, who's been awesome. So uh, there's a revival coming up, so I wanted to touch a little bit about that. Uh, tell us a little bit about it, what it is, and, and uh, your part in it.
1: Oh, wonderful, yeah. Well, um, yeah, we have a, rev- a revival where I am one of the guest preachers, um, it is a three-day revival. Uh, basically, what a revival is, is um, let's say that people's faith became dormant or passive. Um, they do a series of services consecutively, night after night, uh, just meant to kind of ignite the fire, ignite that that hunger uh, for God. And so, I am privileged to be one of the guest speakers. I'll be speaking on Saturday um, at, I believe... Uh, One of the larger Haitian assemblies in Austell, Georgia, is called Open Bible Tabernacle. Um, And I'm speaking for their young adult ministry ranging from 18 to 30.
0: Okay. Um, I think you guys have a theme each night. Is that correct?
1: Well, yeah, actually, there's a theme for the revival um, completely. And the theme is to always bring your A-game. And so it's just basically almost motivating people to, you know, to give their best to to serving God, give their best in life, and always bring your egg in.
0: Okay. Um, And what's the dates and times and the location again?
1: Yes, no problem. It's at Open Bible. The address is 2870 Clay Road in Austell, Georgia uh three zero one zero six. The service times are at seven PM nightly, uh starting August twelfth to August fourteenth. There will also be a question and answer session. Um so if anybody, especially anybody who um who listens to this show would like to come and ask questions and um you know that would be awesome. But that's on Saturday, um from four to six PM uh before the service that will be following at seven PM I personally will be speaking August 13th, which is Saturday, at 7 p.m., and I will also be at the Q&A session.
0: Okay, awesome, awesome, awesome. Okay, well, uh, you've, been, you've been great, and I want to thank you again for, for coming to the show. Uh, James had to go, and um, I know that everybody's time is precious, so if you have anything for me, uh, we can wrap it up, but I'm, I'm open to answer, answering any questions you may have.
1: Oh, okay. Well, um, I mean, I definitely appreciate it. Um, You know, I appreciate, though we don't, we may not necessarily believe in the uh, same things, I do appreciate you bringing people together, um, trying to start dialogue. Um, I also appreciate you inviting me to the show, um, you know, because that just shows how how open you are to dialogue. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed myself here. And, you know, I wish you nothing but the best moving forward.
0: Thank you. Um, I recently became friends with Samuel, uh, who is also supposed to be speaking at the revival. Um, yep. So I don't know how close you are with Sam, but uh, I, I, if he can be on the show, too, we can definitely do it again. Again, this time we didn't speak too much Creole, but we Creole. We didn't speak Creole, but we didn't speak Creole. Uh, man, as we are, it had it had but it's all good.
1: Yeah, well, anytime the pot le, you know, mukabai ti koyolla, la lu,
2: m'abari
1: koyolla. No problem,
0: no problem. Okay, so yeah, talk to Sam. I, I, I sent him a um, message. Actually, no, I uh, I put him in the group. I put him in the Haitian Free Thinkers group. For those who don't know, if you're listening to the show. Asian Free Thinkers is actually a group on Facebook. We have a website. We are on um, Instagram. We are on every major social network you can think of. Um, so, we if you want to uh, call us directly, I have a Google Voice number for for you if you want to text ask questions or whatever, which is uh, 678-820-9474, six seven eight eight two zero nine four seven four six seven eight eight two zero nine four seven four. But uh, if you could get in touch with those um, people that you said that were atheists and are Haitian, I, that would be wonderful because when I started, um, I I just thought that I can find maybe 10. If I found 10, I would be very happy. Um, but we have surpassed that goal, and uh, it's a wonderful thing. And, and, and like I said, um, I thought long and hard about, you know, what it is that we're going to do, how we're going to do it. And um, I've come a long way. So I, I want to have a, uh, a more positive perspective on uh, discussions and, and learn honestly and sincerely as best as I can um, and uh, keep having these kind of conversations. And like I said, I want to increase more, like I said, in Creole than in English because there's a lot of resources already out there, especially on YouTube. So um, we're trying to, like, have discussions where hopefully people can ask questions and learn and uh, have more of a library. So uh, hopefully, like I said, we could do another session whenever you and or Sam or somebody else that you know that might be interested um, can do it, and they can contact me or you, and uh, we can set it up.
1: Wonderful. Yeah, I'll be sure to talk to Sam. I should be seeing him at the revival, of course, this weekend, so I'll be sure to bring that up to him.
0: All right, so with that, um, I say good night and uh, thank you everybody for listening. This has been the Haitian Free Thinkers Radio Show, and uh, we'll see you
1: next time. I thank you. You have a good night.
0: Good night.